Hebron as we come to worship the Lord. We sing together our opening hymn 747. It expresses the desire of heart, the kind of homes and families that we desire as God's people. Oh, give us homes built firm upon the Savior, where Christ is head and counselor and guide, where every child is taught his love and favor and gives its heart to Christ the crucified. Let's rise to sing.
Let's read our psalm for today, Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp, sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. But our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, as we come to the house of God today, as we meet in your presence, as we've read your word, as we seek to worship the God that we love and and serve. We pray that the presence of God will fill this church auditorium. More than anything else, we need the Lord. We need the Lord in the mere sense of his presence to direct our way, to counsel us, to enable us even in our worship that we might render unto the Lord the praise of our hearts, that we might sing aright as unto the Lord's great name, and that we might hear aright as we listen to what God is saying to our hearts this day. We come to rejoice in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you afresh for the cross work, for the atonement that was made, for the dying of our dear Savior when he took our place, stood in our stead, became that substitute for sin. And Lord, we thank you for that day when by irresistible grace we were drawn to the Savior and we ventured all upon his atoning sacrifice. 
and we were born of God, washed in the Redeemer's blood, made your children by the new birth and by adoption. And Lord, we're here today to worship God. We're here to extol the name of our dear Savior, to make much of him. We pray that thou will give us hearts that are ready to, to seek the Lord and to call upon his name, to meet with him now in this house of God today. Various ones have come to worship and we come, Lord, as we remind ourselves often from different backgrounds. We come with different needs. We carry in our hearts this day a variety of burdens. But Lord, we're glad to know as we do so, as we thought about the reality this morning on our video, the anchor still holds. Though the storm rises, though the winds blow, we have an anchor that is beyond the veil that is anchored in Christ himself. And we pray that we will know that no matter what storm we're passing through, that the Lord is there and he is the anchor for the people of God. We thank you for a past week for the service that was rendered to the children of this town and this church. Thank you for Youth Challenge and for so many that gathered in day by day and for the hearing of your word, for the sowing of the seed of the gospel into their tender hearts. And Lord, we seek for the seal of God upon this. We pray for fruit that will remain. Indeed, we pray for the conversion of these children again. Remember our parents' night, and we pray that family will gather in and listen to your word. And as we bring a children's address that we believe is suitable for them, that you will speak not just to the children, but to all that gather. And may there be a word appropriate and fitting in the gospel that will open up the eye to see their need of Christ. May they seek him. Remember the ministry in the open air this afternoon, and Jonathan, as he brings the word, as the gospel goes forth in the state of Karnani, we pray that there will be a hearing ear, that people will listen, that they will stop, that they will open their windows, and we pray that your word will find its way into many a heart. Remember the dear ones that are suffering in this congregation, the sick and the sorrowing. We think of our sister Joan Gray today in the Murphy family circle, that that will be with them in sorrow. We thank you that Mary, who was taken, was taken to be with the Lord, which is far better. And so therefore, our sorrow is not the same. We rejoice that we have the glorious hope, the certain hope of the gospel. And we know where Mary is today. Bless the, the trips that have gone to Kenya, the ones from our own congregation that left this morning, the one that is organized by the Youth Challenge. We pray as they go to serve Christ in Kenya, that you will open up this effectual door for your glory and that you will use the ministry of your word to speak to the many who will be ministered unto. And may we hear good reports of what the Lord has done during the time that they're there and when they come home. Lord, we pray today for baby David, that you'll be with him, that you'll mend the body, that you will bring him to full health and strength, you know what the need is, and therefore we hand them over into the care of Almighty God. So meet with us now here in the house of God. Be one of our number. We ask all things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Let's sing together 511. Throw out the lifeline across the dark wave. There is a brother whom someone should save. Somebody's brother, oh, who then will dare to throw out the lifeline, his peril to share? Rise to sing.
to see everyone in God's house today, those that are our own people as such, meet with us every week, and those that are visiting with us, always glad to have you, and we trust that you will be blessed as you meet here with us today. If you're part of the service on the internet, we welcome you also, and just where you are, wherever you are, may the Lord be pleased to bless you. Every Sunday afternoon in the month of August, we have an open air somewhere in the town, and Kernani is the venue this afternoon at half past three. So remember Jonathan as he brings the word today. Time of prayer before the evening service is 6.30, and tonight takes the form of Youth Challenge. Parents' night, that's at seven o'clock, and I hope to be here to speak uh, to the children. The children will take part, they'll sing, and there's a few prizes to be given out at the end. If you see this on social media, share it, invite our parents in. We look forward to receiving a number of them tonight. Refreshments will be served, and ladies, we're asking you to bring the, the eatables, three quarters of a loaf of sandwiches and two dozen buns. Moving on to Thursday night, the midweek is at eight o'clock. Greg will be speaking again. Remember him as he comes to bring the word. And this Thursday night, we remember the children's ministry, the youth work of the church. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting is at 8 o'clock. Worship service, 12 noon. Open air in the afternoon, 3.30. And the gospel meeting at 7 o'clock. And Kirsty, who will soon leave, in fact, she'll leave after next Lord's Day that week uh, to go to Crown College to train with them. She will give a testimony and a report as to how the Lord has been dealing with her, how the Lord has called her uh, to serve him. Refreshments will be served after the evening service. Just to remind you that at the end of the month, we have our Sunday school camp from the 25th to the 27th of August. Let's pray for the children who attend that, that it will be a blessed time. Again, looking forward into September, we have our gospel mission that is planned, this time in Dalriada School, and that's from the 10th to the 24th of September, God willing. I want to express the sympathy of this congregation on behalf of the elders of the church to Sammy and Joan Gray and the Murphy family in the death of Joan's sister, Mary. Mary would have attended here from time to time. Uh, she went to be with the Lord just a few days ago, and the funeral is tomorrow at two o'clock in First Balamoney Presbyterian Church. So remember the family in prayer. I want to thank Andrew and what I'm calling here the excellent team of workers who helped at Youth Challenge. We had a very, very busy week, and the children gathered in from the table there, registration at the soccer camp, and I want to thank you leaders for your faithfulness, your diligence every day, giving up your time, using your skills that God has given to you, even in this practical way, as the children gathered in. Uh, to have these activities and also to hear the Word of God. And so you might recognize some of these very talented young people and footballers. You might think they're in prison there, but it's just standing behind the net. I want to thank those that were involved in the transportation. You went out and got the children. You brought them to the afternoon. You brought them down here to eat. And then you went out again for the seven o'clock meeting and brought others in 
and made sure at the end of the night everybody was brought home safely. That came in the minibuses. I want to thank those that helped out with the, the barbecue and all the cooking that was done and for the crafts and the games that were done. Up here behind me we have one of the larger rooms where the seniors met and heard the Word of God. And then in the church hall we had the juniors. Josh Moffat was responsible to bring the message to the boys and girls night by night in the junior end. And Greg was the speaker in the senior. We had also various visitors and one of the main visitors was David Johnson who came to the football camp uh, one of the afternoons, and we appreciate that. Just to say that those that were involved in the packing of the pallets, the five pallets arrived safely in Romania, and this was the dismantling of the pallets and the emptying of the contents, and there was a proportion of that was being transported to Alpenish which is the conference center. And this was all the, the, I'm calling it the Delph, where the plates and the soup bowls and the saucers and the cups and all, 300 place settings. And that's been donated by one of our hotels. And that has gone now to help with that conference center. And it was nice that the Deborah House girls were actually there on holiday at the time and were able to offload at the other side. Those that were involved in packing the shoes, 1,450 pair, you'll be glad to know that they have been sorted out a little bit more into their sizes. Uh, at least a 1,000 pair have now been prepared for distribution. So we want to thank you again for all the time and the effort that was done in making this possible. There is a small group going out in October to Romania, and as you know, we've done it in past years. We have given shoebox gifts to, to children. So if it's possible, we would like to prepare 200 shoeboxes, not prepare them here, but get them done as we did last year over in Romania. And uh, 12 pounds, so somebody might be able to buy one or give the money for one. And we would hope to give this out in October when we're there. So there's 150 children in Rekash. This is a school for poor children in that village. And they benefited last year. And there are about 50 children in Moldovanoa that we would like to help. And we have uh, got our friends, Lucci and his family and Graziella, to be involved in the purchasing of the items. This makes it easier that we're not making it up here and then having to ship it all out, but it's actually going to be made up in Romania. They will do the buying, and then the girls from Deborah House, they helped us last year. We will go there in an afternoon, and they will help make up these boxes for distribution. So maybe that's something that you can be involved in. We pray for the sick, and you heard me pray for baby David, who's with us today. He's been in hospital He's been led out for the weekend and he's going in again for more scans tomorrow. So you pray that the Lord will direct the way for, for David and Emily and this little one. And remember all the others. Think of Joan and John and Davy. We continue to pray for Wesley and Chrissy, Peter, Hiver, Marion, Molly, Maureen, Elizabeth, Mervyn, Dorothy, Maud, Hosse. And it's good to see our sister Joy with us. Uh, Peter, Andy, 
Bamer and baby Jacob. So these are much in our prayers. And James, we continue to pray for James down in the royal. We have these prayer requests that are ever before us. Vision for Kids, send a group this morning from the 13th to the 24th of August. They'll be serving the Lord in Kenya. And the Youth Council trip, they went to Kenya on Thursday. And then the Sunday school camp at the end of the month. These were the requests that Vision for Kids shared with us that you might pray for safe travels, for the Bible clubs, for the Saturday inter-school sports and gospel meeting. The wisdom will be given to the team leaders and members and the precious souls might be saved. This was the group that went on Thursday with the Youth Council on their trip to Can You Remember Them, Please. Pray for Sienna. Uh, this family came, worshipped with us last Lord's Day. They came from Scotland. Uh, it was to be a time when they would be encouraged and spend the week with us. They arrived on Saturday. They were with us on the Lord's Day. They came to Youth Challenge on the Monday, and they went home on Monday night. So their time was short-lived. And that's because Sienna had an injury. She was on the football field. She wasn't actually playing football at the time, but she was walking. She fell, and that fall, she actually broke her knee. So she had to go home because uh, of medical needs to get her uh, ready for scans and so forth, get her signed in there in the hospital locally. So we pray for her recovery. We ask you to pray for the new Sunday school that was going to start last Lord's Day in Kayambala, which is a village near where our sister Noreen is the principal of the school. And 96 children attended the new Sunday school. So that was a tremendous start. Please pray for the continued ministry there. Pray for our friends in Ukraine. We keep this slide live before you every Lord's Day, every Thursday night to remember the war situation in Ukraine. These are all the announcements. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings for the Lord's work. Remember today... uh, the. Let the Bible speak envelopes. And that was last week. It's building fun today. So remember that. 689. This is a hymn about the family again and about the passage of Scripture that I want to come back to this morning from Mark's Gospel. When mothers of Salem, their children brought to Jesus, the stern disciples drove them back and bade them depart. But Jesus saw them ere they fled and sweetly smiled and kindly said, Suffer little children to come. Unto thee. We'll keep our seats as we have the offering.
Now let's come back to our passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 10. The same passage I'm going to read from verse 13 through to verse 16. Last week we just simply dealt with the subject, seven reasons why we ought to bring our children to Christ. Now I want to look at the passage more intently and expound it, see what's happening here in the life and ministry of Christ and this occasion with his disciples and what we learn from it. And there's much to learn and glean from this passage. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. With our Bibles before us, let's seek the Lord in prayer. Let's call upon his name. Heavenly Father, we come to this most important part of our worship, and that's your word. And what God is saying to us this hour, settle our minds and hearts down especially now. Thank thee for all that has gone before by way of singing and praise and worship and prayer and the reading of your word. Now we come to expound it and we pray, as always, for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to come alongside First, the preacher to help him bring the word, to give him wisdom and power in every utterance. And then for those that sit and listen, that the Lord might come by the Spirit to our hearts and, and speak to every individual that's here. Lord, we believe you have a message for us right now in your word. And so give us that ability just to hand ourselves over to the Lord for this little time in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Twenty-five years ago, the tragic deaths of the Quinn children here in Balamone sent shockwaves right across the world. Jason, Mark, and Richard were three brothers who were killed in the firebomb attack on their home on the 12th of July, 1998. The family received visits, letters, cards, and phone calls from every part of the world, conveying sympathy and concern from local government here in Northern Ireland to the United States White House, expressions of love poured in. I thought at the time if such sincere emotion was felt by so many across the world who did not know the Quinn family and did not even know this little town of Balamone, how much more was it felt by those who lived in our community? They felt the burden deeper. And if those who knew not the Lord could feel and weep and be touched with such an unspeakable loss, how much more the church of Jesus Christ, which ought to see things more clearly in the light of God's Word and eternity. 
This church here at Hebron was, was moved, moved deeply at the time. And I believe that we redoubled our efforts to reach the upcoming generation for Christ before it was forever too late. But time passes. Memory fades. Burdens lessen. Vision diminishes. And the deep concern felt at the time has probably become a dim and a distant memory. And let's face it, those that are 30 and under in this meeting, you have no recollection whatsoever about what happened 25 years ago. What is our burden? To reach the lost, especially the children and youth of our town and district. Do we feel anything for the lost condition of souls around us? Do our hearts melt as we consider the children of our homes and community, growing up in an environment of godlessness and wickedness. We have just had our youth challenge. The children from all parts of the town and roundabout have gathered in. Something like 200 children over the week registered, maybe 211 altogether were at part of the youth challenge. And soon our children's work will recommence once this summer time is over. We're back to Sunday school. We'll eventually be back to the Tuesday night youth challenge. There is the present ongoing responsibility to families, whether there's meetings happening in the church or not. These children that God has placed into our care as parents, as grandparents, as church leaders. Every true Christian ought to feel some anxiety and burden for the precious souls of these young people. And that burden will be reflected. It will be reflected in our thoughts, how we think day by day concerning the upcoming generation. It will be reflected in our prayers. If we're really concerned, it'll come through in our prayer life, both privately and, and here as we come to pray collectively on behalf of the children's work. And it will be reflected in the labors that we engage in, what we do to literally bring children to a saving knowledge of Christ. Need I remind you that time is short? Eternity is sure. And children need the Lord just as much as any other. And we know not what a day brings forth. When you think of 25 years ago, we certainly did not know what would hap happen on the 12th of July and what that day would bring forth for those little children. We know not what will even happen for the rest of the summer before the children go back to school. I have read one of the most touching scenes in the life and the ministry of God's Son. It's not only a familiar narrative, and it is. You know the story so well, and it's quoted often. But it is one of the most instructive passages that we have in the entire Bible. And so as we meditate for a little while upon this history, I want you to ask the question in your heart. Have I got the burden that Jesus Christ had for the children of his day? Or am I more like his disciples? Because it's one or the other. You're either like Christ on this occasion or you are like his disciples. 
I want you to consider, first of all, as you look at verse 13, the concern of the people. That opening line says, they brought young children to him. Little children are brought to the Lord that he might touch them, that he might put his hands of power and and deity, mercy, and love upon them. We are not sure who did the bringing. It was probably parents, senior members of the family, perhaps, grandparents. Might have been their nurses, their guardians, whatever the case, but they're brought. Doesn't appear that these children are sick or that they have any bodily infirmity and needed a cure. It was not a healing time. It was just very simply that they would be brought to Christ, that he might bless them, that he might touch them. Those who brought them just wanted the Lord's blessing. Matthew Henry said they that had the care of them were most concerned, mostly concerned about their souls, their better part, which ought to be the principal care of all parents for their children. For that is the principal part, and it is well with them, if it be well with their souls. These parents and friends believed that Christ's blessing would do their souls good, so they brought them to be touched by the Lord, knowing that he could reach their hearts. And this ought to be our concern also, this this burden should weigh upon our hearts and grip our souls to bring children to Christ. Now, let me speak to the parents that are here. Just remind you, and this is so important because you have the charge of your children every day. You have your children in your care for more hours than anybody else. So let me address you and remind you of your great responsibility. Have you got the desire that these parents had in their day? Do you possess their concern? Are you weighed down with this kind of burden? You know, some parents and well-meaning people have, have got their priorities all wrong. They are more concerned for, and they take greater pains in making sure that their offspring are well provided in other ways. Now, that might be education. And so you make sure that your children study well, they go to the best schools, they go to the best universities, they get the best further training, whatever you feel is necessary for your children. So education is quite a dominant thing in your home. Or it might be in their material provision. You want to make sure that your child is well provided for in the material things of this life. And that might mean simply their their clothing, their well-being day by day when they get to 17, making sure they get a car and all these things. It might be their physical health. And what parent is not concerned for the health of their children? And it's good to be concerned in this, but it's not the end all and be all. It might be their occupation. And so you get them into the best job and you do everything within your power to guide them in that way. It might be their social standing or other things. Now, there's nothing wrong with these things in their rightful place, providing it's not the top priority, in the right place. But when it is at the expense of their souls and spiritual matters and their eternal well-being, it is 
of great distress. If you're pouring in your time and your effort and your energy into your child's education and these other things at the expense of their soul, well, I tell you, it is a matter of grave concern if you are a professing Christian, Christian parent in this meeting today. We have a responsibility. We have an awesome task. And we need a burden for the children to train them up in the ways of the Lord, as the Scripture tells us, so that when they're old, they'll not depart from it, to exercise influence. First Timothy 1 and verse 6, you read about the godly mother and the godly grandmother of Timothy. They exercised their influence. They were women of faith, and they were a key factor in how Timothy turned out as a young man, a saved man, a preacher of the Word. I tell you, a sad day is upon us when parents and even professing Christian parents do not have the same concern for the spiritual and eternal well-being of their children. John Wesley's mother instructed her children. I'm sure there's very few parents did what she did. She set apart Monday to speak to one of her daughters. Tuesday to speak to another. Wednesday to speak to John, and Thursday to speak to Charles. And so they had a day each. And there was an hour every day given to speak to each child about the affairs of their soul. My, what a way to bring up your children. The spending time individually, personally, guiding them in the Word of God and in the way of salvation. I tell you, there's many other things that parents do with their children every day for an hour and it would not be so edifying and not so spiritual. So parents, we need to have the concern that these parents had. And then, of course, the church in general. That's you people sitting here. And the oversight in particular. It's the elders, deacons, and anyone else especially that has oversight in children's work, leaders in the children's work. You have a mammoth responsibility. It's the bounden duty of every Christian congregation to make provision for the spiritual training of children in its church and local area. No church can be regarded as being in a healthy state which neglects the younger members and uses lazy excuses to evade their responsibility. True Christianity, you see, cares for children. The gospel alone opens its warm bosom to the young. Atheism looks on children as on a level with brutes. Deism and skepticism leaves them to every random influence lest they catch a bias. Barbarians and ancient tribes offered them in sacrifices to Molech. Mohammedism holds mothers and infants as equally of inferior caste. Hinduism forgets the infant she bears and leaves it to perish on the banks of the Ganges. The Chinese are notorious as murdering their newborn infants. 
But I'll tell you this, Christianity alone cares and seeks to win them for Christ and for heaven. And so the church, you and I, have a mammoth responsibility. We ought to be concerned, as these parents were. Our children have immortal souls that need to be saved. And we need to get them to Christ early. When do you think you should bring your children to Christ? What age do you think it's appropriate to start to teach from the gospel? Does the Bible throw any light on this subject when you should start? Let me give you a verse from the Old Testament scriptures from the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 9. The question is asked, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Who do you teach knowledge to? Who do you teach doctrine to? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. That's the infant child. That's when you are to start your instruction. That's when you are to start teaching them the doctrines of God's precious word. A great responsibility. I'm sure you will agree. Used to sing the chorus, I have a soul to be saved. May this truth be engraved on my mind and my heart while I'm young. Oh, how awful the cost if my soul should be lost. And then hell, if I die as I am. Very quickly, Sunday school teachers and workers, yours is a solemn responsibility too. Soon your work will begin again for the new term. Let's take it seriously. God's people in general, we all have a part to play in the winning of the upcoming generation, and we must bring them to Christ. And you bring them, just let me remind you, you bring them by your example. You need to have a godly example, an example that brings them to Christ, not drives them away. You not only bring them by example, but you bring them by your invitations. You invite them to come to the house of God where they can hear God's word, and you bring them by your prayers your prayerful intercessions as you plead with God on their behalf, the concern of the people. But you notice with me the carelessness of the disciples. In the same verse, verse 13, they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. It should be carefully noted that it was not the scribes and the Pharisees who rebuked these parents. It was not the, the unbelieving Jews that rebuked them, but it was the Lord's disciples, the most spiritual men of the time. We might understand that the Jews preventing these children from coming to Christ, lest they would be influenced by the gospel, but we certainly do not understand the disciples acting this way. Now, the disciples wrongfully discouraged the, the bringing of these little ones to the Lord. They rebuked them, the Bible says. That little phrase that is employed here means to set a weight upon or to chide, like when the, the Lord rebuked the winds and the sea. It's the same word that's used 
He rebuked them. He put a weight upon them that they could blow no longer or rage no longer. Or when he rebuked the devil. Think of a demoniac son that was delivered from the power of the evil world. Jesus rebuked the devils that were inside him. Or Peter was rebuked in Mark chapter 8 and verse 33. And so the disciples set a weight upon these parents, stopped them in their tracks from coming to Christ with their children. Now they thought they had the mind of Christ in this matter. They believed that they were doing the right thing. And, and I think it's possible to say that they acted in good faith. They could not have been further from the truth. They had so soon forgotten the Lord's caution in the previous chapter, chapter 9 and verse 36 and 37, when Jesus took the little child, set him in the midst, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one such little, or one such children of my name, receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me, but him that sent me. And look at verse 42. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Oh, maybe these disciples thought the Lord was too tired. Because there were times when the Lord was physically tired. Maybe they thought the Lord was too busy in what he was doing to be bothered by children. Maybe they thought he was uninterested in the children of that time. Or maybe they thought that the children were too young or the children were too noisy or too insignificant or too unimportant. Or maybe they thought that the parents were, were interrupting the teaching of the Savior. I don't know. But they hindered the children being brought to the Savior. Here's an example to shun. When mothers of Salem their children brought to Jesus, the stern disciples drove them back and bade them depart. You don't want to be like them. Never be too tired. Never be too busy. Never be too uninterested in the children. Never view boys and girls as too young or too noisy. Never think the souls of young children to be too insignificant. They need to be guided. They need to be taught. They need to be instructed. Indeed, they need to be one to the Savior. Have an interest in the spiritual welfare and the eternal destiny of children. See them as God sees them. I heard of a man who said that he did not like to prejudice his boy and so he would not say anything to him about religion. The devil, however, was quite willing to prejudice the lad. It wasn't long before he learned to curse and to do other things. Although his father had a foolish and a wicked objection to teaching him to pray and to follow the Lord, I'll tell you, the devil is out to get the children. And he will rest not until he has them in his clutches and he takes them away from God. You make sure that we do everything 
to bring them to Christ and not be like these men. And then thirdly, we have the compassion of the Savior. And we have that in the other part of the text from verse 14 to 16. The Lord was not pleased in the attitude, with the attitude and behavior of his disciples. He took it ill that these men should keep back the children. You'll notice his displeasure. Verse 14, when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. What do you mean? What do you think you're doing? Will you hinder me from doing good to the rising generation, to the lambs of the flock? And we can say that Jesus Christ indeed was angry with these men. Christ was much displeased. You want to ponder that little phrase there? We must never be a hindrance to any person coming to Christ by our attitude, by our words, by our actions, especially when it comes to children. The Lord can be displeased with us. Dear Christian, you need to know that. He was displeased with these men. And if we are like them in this, he certainly will be displeased with us. Not only his displeasure, but look at his rebuke. Verse 14, he said to them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Let them come, says Jesus. Don't hinder them. Don't stop them. Suffer them to come as soon as they are able to come or be brought as was the case here, we are to get them to Jesus Christ. Little children are welcomed at his feet. His kingdom admits young children, his rebuke. And then we have his instruction, verse 15. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And our Lord takes the opportunity to, to teach that there must be something of the, the disposition of little children in all who would enter his kingdom. We must submit like young children to Christ. We must trust like little children, receive him like little children, obey him like little children, learn from him, depend upon him, humble ourselves as little children. And then verse 16 we have, his blessing. He took them up in his arms. Isn't this beautiful? You can just picture it in your mind. He, Jesus, took them up in his arms. He put his hands upon them and he blessed them. In token of his love for the children, he took them up in his arms. He did more than even the parents desire. Just, just touch my child and bless him. But the Lord took them up in his mighty arms and he put his hands upon them and he blessed them. Jesus Christ was interested in the souls of children. The great king and the head of the church found time to take special notice of these little ones. Although his time on earth was precious and all around him every day you found the adult population perishing because they had no knowledge of the things of God, the Lord did not count boys and girls of small importance. He had room in his mighty heart for them. He not only proclaimed by his outward actions his love and concern for the children, but he declared it. Of such is the kingdom 
of God. And we should never forget this. Can I quote to you what Bishop J.C. Ryle said in this verse? We must never allow ourselves to suppose that little children's souls may be safely let alone. Their character for life depend exceedingly on what they see and hear during the first seven years. They are never too young to learn evil and sin. They are never too young to receive religious instruction. They think in their childish way about God and their souls and a world to come far sooner and far more deeply than most people are aware. They are far more ready to respond to appeals to their feelings of right and wrong than many suppose. They have a conscience. God mercifully has mercifully not left himself without a witness in their hearts, fallen and corrupt as their natures are. They have a soul which will live forever in heaven or hell. We cannot begin too soon to endeavor to bring them to Christ. It's our duty to make spiritual provision for our children, training them in our families, in our church, in our neighborhood, in our town. God bless you Christian parents who are diligent in this matter, who have your family altar where you read and pray with your children and you seek to bring them up in the right way and you desire to be like the parents here. Thank you, Sunday school teachers and children's workers for all that you do year in and year out among the children of this church. Thank you, Andrew, and the team last week sacrificing your time, giving up your work, giving up whatever had to be given up to come here and be here for so many hours. And God bless those who have gone over to Kenya to work among the children, some today, some last Thursday. And thank you for those that came with us as we did our VBS in Romania. Got an email from a lady called Phoebe. I think that's how you pronounce her name. She is the, the legal advisor to the mission and particularly to the vulnerable children uh, that we work with. And she heard about us coming back and she's helping to, to plan some of the places where we will be with the children. And this is what she said. It's so exciting to have you back so soon. I was very impressed to see your love for the Romanian children. May God bless you and give you strength to continue this beautiful work. And those that go in October, you'll have opportunity to serve the Lord. We have parents night tonight and the children will gather in for the hearing of the word. Let's be of these things in prayer, the work that we do with the children, and let's have the compassion of Christ in our hearts and to do as the Savior did and not the disciples. And if we've been more like the disciples, let's hear his rebuke in our hearts this day where we have failed, where we have erred, where we've been more like them. Let's pray, Lord, forgive me. Make me more like Christ. and Give me a love and a regard for the children of my home and the children of my church and the children of this district and help me to reach them with the glorious gospel of Christ before it is forever too late. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we bow reverently in your presence again. Thank you for your word. As we said, a familiar passage, but so instructive to be taught of God how we ought to think about the children of our day. Deliver us from having the attitude of the disciples. Indeed, forgive us when we've been like that, when children have been annoying and maybe even at times disruptive. Children have been noisy and we've we've sought to shoo them away. Lord, we pray, give us a compassion. Give us a love in our heart to reach them with the glorious gospel. We pray that you will bless the influence of our parents and bless our Sunday school work, Brother Wesley and the teachers. Remember Youth Challenge, Andrew and the team of workers there. Remember all we seek to do even privately in our reach for the children of today. Oh God, I pray in Jesus' name, give me and this congregation the compassion of Christ for the children of today and help us to see to it that we do all that we can by the strength and the grace that God gives us to win the loss to the Savior, especially among the young, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's remind ourselves we have only one life on this earth as we sing this hymn in closing. As vapor is passing away, I must labor for treasures of worth our toil ends at the close of the day. Only one life. Not two, not three, just one. And we don't know how long that'll be. Only one life to give. You don't want to miss the well done of God. Let's live it for his glory.
And Heavenly Father, we know on the great day when we stand before the Lord and the examination is made and the works are raised before him, what we've done for his glory. We don't want to miss that well done. Want to hear from the lips of the great judge of all the earth, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of thy salvation. We pray that we will labor for the well done of God every day and help us to be that witness for Christ to all that we meet with. And Lord, may we never forget the upcoming generation and have desires and burdens for them too. Dismiss us now with your blessing in the Savior's name. Amen.